Welcome to episode 52 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jenstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumers, from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. 
New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 52 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. And I am not just here with Jen Stevens. I have a very, very special guest today. We have Elle Russ on the podcast. She is the author of The Paleothyroid Solution and also the host of the very, very popular Primal Blueprint podcast with Mark Sisson. How are you, Elle? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. We're, we are so excited to have you today. Awesome. It's a, it's a great day in Malibu right now. Oh, wonderful. I'm in Venice Beach. Nice. And then Jen is in Georgia. <laughs> this will date the um, the podcast, but the Masters is going on right now, just down the road from me. So it's a great day to be in Augusta, too. <laughs> Excellent. Hey, Georgia. Yeah. All righty. Well, for today's episode, if listeners might not have guessed from the title of Elle's book, The Paleothyroid Solution, we are going to tackle the thyroid. And we get so many questions from listeners about the thyroid, and it's just such a complicated and crazy topic. And millions and millions of Americans have thyroid problems. 60% are likely undiagnosed. And we thought we would bring Elle on to just give us the details about what's really going on with the thyroid, how it works, how problems can manifest, and of course, how how thyroid problems interact with intermittent fasting, because that is a very, very common question that we get from lots of listeners. So Elle, if we're just going to jump right in, um, well, do you want to start a little bit with your story, Elle, and um, how you came about to enter this whole thyroid world and came about with the book and everything? Sure. Um, you know, it was a total accident. Uh, I was already a writer, but I was a, you know, comedy writer and in, in the world of entertainment, not really thinking about writing a health book. Um, and, and like you in Los Angeles, pursuing similar goals, although we're different ages. And it was always expected that in order to be the leading lady, which is what my type was, that I had to have a certain body type. So, you know, I thought I was doing it the healthy way. I was exercising every day. I thought I was, you know, doing the right paradigms that were out there, do the zone, eat every two, three hours, you know, keep your insulin steady. Um, I tried everything. And here's the thing. I did get the size that I wanted to be. However, I ultimately became a mess because I got there the wrong way and the unhealthy way. And I thought I was doing it the healthy way. You know, I thought I was, I wasn't doing it the diet Coke, you know, starve yourself, take meth way. You know, I was trying to do it the, the way of like, Hey, I'm working out. I'm at the gym. Turns out I was really going in the wrong direction. I was over-exercising, doing chronic cardio. I was really had become seriously carbohydrate dependent and hypoglycemic. Um, and then that led into, you know, and I'm sure there were other contributing factors, of course, we can't say what it could have should or what, what happened first, but then I started to really fall apart. And the difference between myself and, you know, other authors maybe, or, or my book is that I actually had to become my own doctor and solve the problem myself. I had actually twice in 10 years, two bouts of serious hypothyroidism. One is called the reverse T3, uh, thyroid problem. And that is on the rise and, 
really even less doctors know how to treat. So twice in 10 years, I had to be my own doctor and dose myself back to health, even in Los Angeles, a city filled with amazing doctors. You know, I went to celebrity authors and their doctors off their books and paid $600 for someone to just finally tell me, oh my God, you're seriously hypothyroid. Um, Meanwhile, I had been misdiagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome and you know, headed down other other paths of investigating hormonal imbalance. But what everyone has to realize is that the thyroid is the master gland. So if it's off, all the other shiz is off, people. You know what I mean? You're going to get a hormonal balance and problem. If you're a guy, you're going to get low testosterone. You're going to get adrenal problems. So do you treat the adrenal problems? Do you treat the low testosterone and give someone testosterone? Or do you fix the root of the problem? And for a lot of ailments, the thyroid is the root because it is the master gland. And so what do I mean by that? I mean, it's in charge of the production regulation of all of our sex hormones, our heart rate, our metabolism, and it emits the only fat burning hormone that we have really. I mean, you can't burn fat in the absence of proper healthy T3 levels. So that says everything you need to know about not having it. Now, there are some people that become very skinny and wasted with low T3 levels, but usually those people have also very severe adrenal issues. And that's why the wasting occurs. For most people, they get Cold, fat, bloated, accelerated aging, glycation. I mean, I never. I, I look younger now than I did then. Um, the level of aging that I was going through, and so what happens is, is you'll get a disease you otherwise would not have gotten if you're in a hypothyroid state, and then those things can lead to other things, and it's a domino effect, and you know you're falling apart. And what do you attack first? Now the issue is, is that unfortunately, a lot of doctors are uninformed and they're not taking the right tests. And that's why people are misdiagnosed or undiagnosed. So a lot of people are like, nope, not your thyroid. Nope, not your thyroid. Thyroid's fine. And that happens all the time. In fact, when anyone tells me, well, I got my thyroid and it was fine. I said, BS, let me see the results. And nine times out of 10, they have a problem. And the doctor just said their thyroid was fine. So, you know, it's, it's kind of conundrum, but we're getting to the point where people are doctors and functional medicine doctors and integrative NDs are kind of up on the latest and they're not, you know, messing with 30, 40 year old outdated ways of how to assess and treat thyroid problems. You know, if in any other area of medicine, they were using anything from 30, 40 years ago, you'd probably be a little, you know, you'd be like, well, I don't know if I want to go to the brain surgeon that hasn't, uh, you know, upgraded his knowledge in 30 years, right? So, so that's really what's going on, and that's why it's such an epidemic, but it's totally fixable. Yeah, that is so crazy. And you and I are so similar with our our history and our similar goals and then how thyroid problems can just really make you feel really bad. Um, Jen, have you had thyroid issues at all, ever? You know, this is all interesting because, um, yes, I have a nodule on my thyroid that um, – they discovered they were looking for something else. I had some peripheral neuropathy at some point along the way, and they were, you know, doing like I don't know one of those scans, and they're like, "Oh, you have a nodule on your thyroid," but all of my no- my numbers were, you know, quote normal, just like Elle was saying. I'm like, I don't believe you, Jen. Unless send me the results. It's not your <laughs> thyroid. You're fine. You're fine. And then I did a lot of reading at the time, and I read the work of you know Dr. Broda Barnes, and um, he of course you know, was one of the the people who did some early work with thyroid and learned about how important, you know, your body temperature was in diagnosing thyroid problems. And my body temperature was always low. And so I was like, no, but you know, I'd go to the doctor and I'm like, no, but my body temperature is low. They're like, yeah, but your numbers are fine. So, um, you know, when, when Elle, when you were talking about 
you know, using old tests, you know, what was ironic to me is that really the oldest, oldest thyroid tests they used to use were just your basal body temperature. And if that was low, they're like, yep, it's your thyroid. And then they got these, you know, quote, new better tests, which are now the old tests. And that would miss all the people who had, um, you know, the things that didn't show up on the TSH test. Speaking of, I I know we've thrown around a lot of words like T3, TSH, <laughs> all the things. Uh, so for listeners, Elle, would you like to give a brief overview of like how the thyroid works and what all of those numbers are and what those different things mean? Sure. And by the way, I hope nothing that I just said was crazy wrong. <laughs> Please tell me if it was. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to I'm going to touch on something that was very mis, mis misguided there. Well, I would like to hear it because what your doctor said, not what you said. Oh, okay, okay. So, so here's the thing. Um first of all, let's talk about uh Dr. Barnes because in my book and in general, if anyone's out there, you know, just even go to the stopthethyroidmadness.com website. Look up temperatures, how to take them. You might think, yeah, whatever, go get a digital. Nope. There's a specific way to do your temperature with a specific type of thermometer. Um, it's a little bit of a pain in the butt. You got to hold it under your tongue for seven to 10 minutes and basil and afternoon. You can pretty much diagnose yourself at home. I mean, you can pretty much tell whether or not there's an indication of whether you have a um, thyroid problem. So absolutely temps. And in fact, Temps are still valuable and applicable to people that are on thyroid hormone that are on their way to reaching their optimal dose or doing well and then something goes off, you always go right back to the temps, always right back to the temps. So even me, even me, if I'm on thyroid hormone and if something changes, you know, spring, summer, sometimes you need a little bit more in winter, a little less in summer, maybe you're exercising more, things can change. Now they don't change too much with most people on thyroid hormone, but the kind that I take is a little bit fast acting. So in some senses, there might be room for changes. And when changes and weird things happen, you go right to the temps. And so that's that's a given for sort of everyone, even if you're on thyroid hormone and you're doing well, if something's off, or you, you feel good, like maybe you got on thyroid hormone and you're doing well, but you're not totally there yet, that's the time to take the temps because that could be the difference in, a, in an increase of medication of just like a quarter grain of natural desiccated thyroid or a few micrograms of something. You know, there's, there's tweaking that can happen through temps as well. So it's a part of biohacking from the beginning and during and even after. So I'm glad you brought um, Dr. Barnes up. So let's, I think it's important and, you know, people might have to go back and listen to this to understand it, but you have to understand how the thyroid works in order to understand how the tests are applicable. So before I go into what tests to get, let me just tell you how the thyroid works. And you're going to hear things like, you know, TSH, T3, and T4, and reverse T3, those four things. And it sounds like, oh God, it's complicated. And trust me, I have a philosophy degree. This is science is the last thing that I, you know, that's in my wheelhouse, but it's really actually quite logical in, in understanding it. So, so knowing that the thyroid is the master gland, there's really only one biologically active thyroid hormone, and it's called T3. It's the only one, okay? So so let's start there. So T3 and anyone's corresponding free T3 levels on a blood test are usually what determines how they feel and will go along with symptoms. If it's low or below the range, they're usually a disaster. If it's too high, they're hyperthyroid and they have too much thyroid hormone and that could be dangerous because I'm going to have a heart attack because their heart rate gets too high um, and other complications. So here's what happens. In order to manage the levels of when you do and don't need T3, the thyroid feedback system is this really elegant loop, a feedback loop. And here's what happens. At the base of your brain, 
is the pituitary gland and it acts like a little sensor and it senses whenever your blood is low in thyroid hormone. And when it senses that, it sends a signal, it sends a message, it sends a wake-up call to the thyroid. And that wake-up call is called the TSH. Now, it stands for thyroid-stimulating hormone. It is not a thyroid hormone at all. It's a pituitary hormone. It is just a wake-up call. So it'll go, yo, thyroid, wake up. Now, if you see someone's TSH on a blood test and it's like 50 or 100 or 15, the top of the range is 5, that would be an indication that their brain is screaming like, yo, thyroid hormones, now this person needs them. So there's one way we would look at the TSH in a, in, in a blood result and go, okay, but here's the thing. It's just the damn freaking signal. Are you getting the package and the package is T3? Let me tell you how it works. So the pituitary sends a signal, yo, thyroid, wake up, create more thyroid hormones. Assuming this is a normal person where everything's working right, the thyroid then will wake up and dispense about maybe 80% of a hormone called T4 and maybe 20% of a hormone called T3. The active one is T3. Why is T4 there? Why is 80% of it released? Because T4 is a storage hormone that will convert into the biologically active hormone as needed. Very elegant, right? It kind of gets stored up. And then let's say you, you know, run five miles and maybe your body needs more T3 at the end of that. Then that T4 in your body is going to convert to the T3. It's kind of doing the slow release job for you. And it's sensing it. Now, why would it do that? Because it's also there to protect you. So for example, let's say you're a normal person with normal thyroid output and... All of a sudden, you get into a crazy car accident and like have a couple of broken legs. All right, so inflammation's happening. Oh my gosh, trauma. In those kind of events, you could get Lyme's disease. It could be cancer. It could be kind of anything. It could be a week of lack of sleep and stress. Whatever it is, your body is going to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. We don't want to, we need to dial this back. So we're, instead of convert the T4 to the T3, this biologically active fat burning hormone, we're going to dial it back a little bit because their body's in a state of inflammation there. And what it'll do in that moment, it is it'll convert the T4 into reverse T3, which is an inactive form of T3. Now, why does it do that? It's just doing it to save our life. It's part of this feedback process. It's like your body is always trying to save you and it doesn't want to make you hypermetabolic in a state where you shouldn't be. Like such as, let's say you got the flu and you have a very high fever. It might downregulate a bit. You know what I mean? For example, women who have really serious morning sickness when they're pregnant, that's like a reverse T3 thing. Whether you're on thyroid medication or have a thyroid problem or not, reverse T3 is a general marker of wellness in people. So again, signal sent. It, the thyroid releases about 80% T4, 20% T3, and then throughout the day, maybe 40% of that T4 is going to get converted into the T3, and whatever is unused gets flushed out through this reverse T3 system. Now, the problem that happens with medication, with testing, is they usually classically only tested the TSH. And sometimes that's tomfoolery because, and most of the time it is, because it's just a snapshot of the signal. So there's been people that have been like, oh my God, uh, even Mark Sisson, someone told him, oh, we're worried about your thyroid because his TSH was like maybe 3.5 and the top of the range is five. And they were like, ooh, but they didn't test any of the other tests and he has no symptoms, nothing at all, never had a problem. And they never even tested Where's the T4 and T3? Because it doesn't matter what the signal's doing or how much T4 you have. So that's another mistake. Endocrinologists will classically only test TSH and T4. Again, so they're testing the signal, they're testing the storage hormone, but 
T4 is useless unless it converts into the thing that matters, and the thing that matters is T3. So you could give a patient all of the Synthroid you want, which is T4 only, it's the number one prescription in America, you could give them that thyroid hormone. But if it's not converting, then it doesn't, then it doesn't do any, and it may not be converting. So a lot of people remain sick and undiagnosed for years, even once they've been on thyroid hormone, because the doctor's just testing the TSH and the T4. But is the T4 convert? Because I've lived without T4 in my body for years. You don't technically need, there's no, it's better to have it. You want this elegant system to work the way it is. But it's not necessarily like essential for life. So why are they testing it? Why are they only not testing the free T3? It's because in their classic opinion from 40 years ago, T4 is the steady one. But they're not looking at the fact that, yeah, but it's supposed to turn into a package that if you haven't gotten, you're sick. So that's why. The tests, these tests are very important to get. And if you don't get these, then you can't properly assess whether you have a thyroid problem. And that's TSH, free T3, free T4, and reverse T3. Now, there are two other Hashimoto's antibodies. Everyone should rule out the fact that they do or don't have Hashimoto's. There are two antibody tests for that, and you have to take both because sometimes people have one and not the other. The first one is TPO for thyroid peroxidase antibody, and the second one is TG antibody, stands for thyroid globulin. Now, that's kind of your standard basic. Now, there's lots of things that mix in with thyroid, vitamin D, iron storage, lots of other tests and things one can take, but at the very baseline, that's what you have to do. So people have remained sick, or if you're listening and you've been on thyroid medication and you're complaining to your doctor and they're like, well, whatever, everything's fine, check your test because, you know, there's a success story in my book who was riddled with depression, weight gain and stuff, and she had been on Synthroid for 10 years with an endocrinologist, and when we looked back at her test, they never, ever even tested free T3. They never tested to see, was she getting the package? Was it working? Was it doing its job? It's no good to drive around the office building and never punch into work. You're never going to get paid, right? So it's just, it's also too... If you don't, if you order something from Amazon and it doesn't show up, you don't just keep ordering it, okay? That's like the TSH, you know? Are you getting the package? Go call and find, right? That's the free T3 test. So again, the TSH is just a signal. It's not a hormone, but it's a 1973 test that they used to use to assess thyroid health and people are still using it. So if any doctor tells you you do or don't have a problem based on the TSH, that is an uninformed doctor and you run, you run unless you feel like you want to take the time to see if they're going to be open to you educating them. So hopefully that was clear. And if it wasn't, I want to clear it up because it's really important that we understand how this system works so that you can then go into evaluating things in a different light. That's good info. Yeah. Like I said, I personally have had problems with hypothyroidism and not getting complete tests. It is really important to, that you get all of these levels checked. So I guess we need to emphasize free T3, uh, no, like normal T3 as well? Well, here's the thing. There's total T3, there's T3 uptake, there's all sorts of other tests. But really the essential is, and usually, you know, sometimes the total T3 corresponds with the free T3, but at the end of the day, you want to get TSH, free T3, free T4, and reverse T3, all done in the same blood draw. If you're on thyroid medication, you do not take it. You go in in the morning between, you know, preferably 7.30 and 9, get the blood draw. If you are on thyroid medication, you pop it in your mouth afterwards. So that's how you get an accurate test. 
Um, and so this is why people are mistreated, do you see? Because, so you have a patient that keeps coming to you that's complaining, like, I'm depressed, I'm gaining weight, and the doctor's going, well, work out more, eat less. And the person's like, I'm training for a marathon. Like, don't accuse me of a, a closet eating disorder. And this happens all the time. And the thing is, is that those doctors are looking at just the T4 and the TSH. Do you see what I'm saying? They're not looking. Is the T4 doing what it's supposed to do? Which its only sole job is to convert into the thing that matters. So why aren't you checking on whether it's doing its job? Does that make sense? It's so important because this is how you just go through life sick and miserable on thyroid medication or not. You know what I mean? Because you're undiagnosed. No one's getting to the bottom of it. I think that's great. I didn't know that Synthroid was only T4. So that's that's important. I'm glad you actually mentioned that because here's the thing. <clears throat> so now that I've explained to you the way that the system works naturally in a normal person, our bodies don't totally rely on T4 conversion alone. Our thyroids actually do pump out about 20, like direct T3. So taking a T4 only medication to solve hypothyroidism is not endocrine mimicry anyway. Now, now it works for some people. Some people are fine on T4 only. Okay. And they're doing great. But it wouldn't be my first choice for anybody, although it is considered a first choice for most endocrinologists because, again, it's just the classic thing. Now, let me share you what happened. So in 18, in the late 1800s, there was this genius English physician who had all these people around him with bloated hypothyroidism goiters, and he extracted sheep uh, thyroid gland and injected it into these hypothyroid patients, and they got better. And he discovered natural desiccated thyroid from sheep at the time, but now it's mostly pigs. So natural desiccated comes in a ratio of pretty much mimicking that kind of 80-20 a little bit. And it's got both T4 and T3. It's got more T4 than T3, again, in the proper kind of ratio. That's more aligned with who we are. Now, if you, for religious reasons, you don't eat pork or you have some issue with animals being used for medication, you can always get compounded T4 and T3. But the combination is usually the best answer for thyroid hormone replacement. Now, you can also solve this naturally. Look, there's protocols to, to fix hypothyroidism without going on thyroid hormone. I'm just talking specifically now about people who might have to. So anyway, here's what happens. This guy developed it. What a genius. So everybody with hypothyroidism was on natural desiccated pig thyroid gland up until about the mid-50s when pharmaceutical companies realized that they could not patent that, so they came up with Synthroid and then started to bag and rip on propaganda towards the natural desiccated, pushed it as the one-fits-all medication for hypothyroidism, and then, you know, people went down that road and then people started to fall apart. And that's when about 10, 15 years ago, maybe, doctors really started to be like, hmm, wait a minute. And natural desiccated make, made a comeback on the scene and started to really change people's lives. I mean, people were like getting out of wheelchairs who had been on Synthroid. They were like 80 and, you know, had been switched off the desiccated back in the day. Do you know what I mean? So a lot of it, and you know, look, this is not about like conspiracy theories, but hey, you know, money's involved here. Okay. So we've got to, we've got to realize why that. So, and if you look at that medication alone, so I would never personally take Synthroid. Like I would never take T4 only, no matter what. It, it, uh, I would always usually, I would take a combination if, if that were the case. Right now I'm on T3 only. That's the last resort and kind of, um, not the first choice of, of medication. So, uh, so, so it really is more important to get the combination if you're going to do thyroid hormone replacement. Um, because again, our bodies don't solely rely on endocrine mimicry, like it solely rely on conversion alone of the T4. We do get some direct T3. Yeah, I'm personally a big fan of natural, uh, natural desiccated thyroid. And I've also heard that 
historically, when we were consuming like the whole animal, we would also get small doses of thyroid from the animal. Have you heard? Is that do you think that's true, Elle? Uh, it might. You know what? I was looking. I, I should look into that because one of my thoughts about that was, you know how there's just. Um, however our ancestors learned it along the way, right? That there's some parts of the animals you do or don't eat. Maybe they knew to stay away from the thyroid. Maybe not. Maybe that's still something they, they ate. Um, maybe, 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 so maybe an ancestor, like a hunter gatherer ancestor ate part of the thyroid and then got like totally whacked out, like super hyperthyroid. <laughs> maybe like, like we're going to stay away from the neck of that animal. So I'm not sure if like that was an awareness, you know, it's almost like the awareness that alpha pack of animals are in general, on their kill, they get the first choice. And the first choice is usually organ meats just because they are denser. So I'm not sure, you know, what, what instincts may be like if people do in maybe Papua New Guinea or they're still doing pig roast and stuff, are they eating the thyroid? I could find that out. <laughs> I should find that out. Well, I do know I mentioned this on a previous podcast, but I went into Whole Foods a few weeks ago and wanted to make fish or bone, like a bone broth, but from fish. And I asked them, no, 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 it wasn't fish. It was chicken from chicken necks. And I asked them if the chicken necks still had the thyroid gland in them. And the Whole Foods customer service guy was just looked at me like, who? <laughs> like, what? I do, did you find out the answer? I, I asked him that. And he said, he was like, I've worked here for like 15 years and nobody's ever asked me that before. And That's I was like, hysterical. okay, well... So do you know the answer? And he was like, no, it, it was massively unhelpful. <laughs> but um, yeah, there's that. But so for listeners, because I know we've thrown a lot of information out, very valuable information, very incredible information. If you go to ifpodcast.com slash episode 52, we will put, that's where we'll have notes um, for this podcast, references, all of that. But we'll put a, a detailed overview of everything that Elle just discussed. Well, a detailed, but also an easily understandable <laughs> brief overview as well. So for listeners... Well, I also have a, I have a free thyroid guide oh, too as well with all of this stuff. And you could just go to my website, lrust.com and look at the tab for the free thyroid guide. And what I did is so many, you know, after the book, so many people would email me and I would just respond and cut and paste a big, huge, like, here's a bunch of information, what blood tests to get here, how to find the right doctor, how to, how to question whether the doctor knows what they're doing. And because I... You know, because through this process, honestly, look, it's great. If you want to buy my book, it's inexpensive. Go ahead. But I am all about giving free information, man. I spent thousands of dollars going to just over, you know, a total of over 50 doctors really in 10 years, but just wasting money on so many false paths. And I don't want people to do that. Just get to A to Z. You know, that's why I suffer through this so that you don't. So you can just go to my website and and my I just did this recently where I was like, you know, I don't need to email everyone back. I just have it available. So you can just download that and it's just really a great resource guide for all of the stuff um, that we're talking about that you need to arm yourself with to get diagnosed properly and, and then also get the right doctor. Yeah, I think that's great. So lross.com and then also I'll put a link to that on our show notes as well to that link <laughs> so listeners can check that out. And so I would like to bring things into the intermittent fasting world for a bit because this yeah. is the intermittent fasting podcast and we do get a lot of questions like I said about thyroid problems. So I'm, I'm actually going to read a few different 
um, questions that we've had submitted about the thyroid. Sure. And uh, Elle, we can get your opinion on everything and how fasting relates to the thyroid. Great. Okay, so here are three different questions, all sort of similar, and they they all have to do with basically is IF bad for the hormones and for the thyroid. So for example, uh, Stephanie says, hi, Melanie and Jen, thanks for the information on your podcast. It's been so helpful. As the authorities on all things related to intermittent fasting, I have a question for you on how IF may impact hormone and thyroid levels. I'm 48 and I've been hypothyroid for the past several years, as well as hormone imbalance, like a lot of women. I felt great since doing a 20-hour fast each day for the past two and a half months, but my hot flashes are increasing at night, and my most recent blood panel shows my thyroid levels have actually decreased a little, despite increasing my Armour thyroid dose. Um, I'm going to pause for one second. So Armour, um, is that, that's... Desiccated. It's desiccated. Yeah. So yeah. the natural desiccated is like Nature Throid Armor in Canada. It's Urfa. They're all sorts of different names, but they are all the same thing. Been around for 100 Perfect. years. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. So then she says, my doctor is concerned that IF could be having a negative effect on my adrenals, thyroid, and hormone levels. Have either of you been checking your thyroid, your hormone and thyroid levels over your years of doing IF? I'm curious about your experience as women, as well as what the research shows on the possible impacts. If, if IF is negatively impacting my levels, are there tweaks I should make to lessen the effect? I value your feedback and would appreciate your help with this. And then I'm going to read just two other quick questions. So Sally, um, she says she's very excited to find the podcast, loves listening, and she's been reading the books. Uh, the podcasts are, are so helpful as I am just learning and researching about fasting since being diagnosed with Hashimoto's thyroiditis. So that is the autoimmune, um, that's an autoimmune thyroid disease. She says, my question is, have you seen any research that says fasting is not good for those with thyroid disease because it puts too much stress on the adrenals and thus the whole adrenal thyroid complex? I've read this in one source but cannot confirm it. Part of my reason for fasting is for health and healing, so I don't want to cause more problems for my thyroid. Your thoughts and any relevant research would be most appreciated. Keep the podcast coming. Thank you both so much. And then lastly, Alessandra. She says, hi, Jen and Melanie. I know you're hearing this a lot, but thank you for such an informative and inspiring podcast. You're a great team. I feel like I might know the answer to this question, but here goes. She says, I'm a 53-year-old woman with hypothyroidism. I've been on medication for 10 years, which has helped many, but not all of my symptoms. Even with my thyroid issues, I've been fairly lucky with maintaining a healthy weight and haven't really had to diet much except for 10 pounds or so after two pregnancies, which came off fairly easily. However, these past three years, my body has changed and I've slowly gained about 18 pounds, mostly in my stomach and hips. My whole... Whole foods, homemade meals, mixed in with some exercise, hasn't changed too much over the years. Three months ago, I decided to try IF, and I've been slowly adapting this lifestyle. I've had no problem with the 16-8 approach, and so for listeners, that means she fasts for 16 hours and eats in an 8-hour window. And some days I've managed a 5-hour window, and I feel great. Unfortunately, my weight hasn't budgeted, and I feel like my thyroid symptoms, constipation, are much more frequent. 
So I end up not doing IF every day, but instead I do it four to five times a week as I'm worried it may be affecting my thyroid and circadian rhythm. I know you recommend a one day a meal approach to lose and maintain weight, so perhaps that's why I'm stuck. Do you think I do you think an IF lifestyle is okay for someone with hypothyroidism? Do you hear from other postmenopausal women that have had success with IF? I would be so grateful for any advice or research. Thank you so much. You ladies are terrific. So I know that those are three different emails with three different specific um, situations, but I guess in general, we can just address how fasting affects the thyroid and hormones and adrenals. And do you think it's problematic for thyroid problems? Do you think it's potentially helpful? What are your thoughts on fasting and the thyroid, L? All right. So there's a lot to unpack in each of those emails. Um, let's go with the first one. My doctor says it's messing with my thyroid levels. Okay. So if I were talking to that person, I'd be like, great, let me see them. What are they? Did they test reverse T3? Are you even on the right amount of thyroid hormone? Are you even optimized at this point? So it's hard to answer for that specific person, right? I would need to know that. They would need to know that because here's the thing. If you aren't on, if you're on thyroid hormone replacement and you're not, um, on the right levels, then yeah, you're still hypo. So now your adrenals are going to get compromised and you can slip into adrenal fatigue. So again, when we talk about does keto, does IF, does all this stuff cause a thyroid problem? The answer is no. And there's no research at all to definitively at all, not even close to saying that. Because here's the thing you have to understand. First of all, who are the people that are going to IF? A lot of people are already like in a state where they're like, oh my God, I'm gaining weight. I can't, they might already be very, very hypo. Now in that case, doing IF wouldn't necessarily work or help and it, for that moment because they're still hypothyroid. So for example, it's like the reason hypothyroid people often gain weight and it's uncontrollable and no matter what they do, they can't ever get ahead of it. It's because you're trying to do fat burning activities on a body that is not primed for fat burning because you're hypothyroid. So it's like lighting a wet log. It'll never work. You can go keto and be hypo, but that's not going to solve your keto, uh, hypo problem. It'll probably make it worse because you weren't in the place to do keto to begin with or IF to begin with. Now, there's a caveat here, which is when hypothyroidism, you know, usually makes people very, it can, it can lead to prediabetes and insulin resistance because again, you're in this like terrible metabolic state. So it doesn't even matter if you're eating clean, what you're eating could be converted into glucose in a way that wouldn't be in a normal fat burning person's body. So if you're really hypothyroid and, um, you know, things are falling apart, you know, that's when we reach for these things, but they may not be the best, but here's where it could help. Like, let's say you really do have a, you're very pre-diabetic or insulin resistant or very obese, or maybe just like you're very overweight and that's what caused the thyroid issue. In that case, you know, doing IF would be very, very helpful to start making someone insulin sensitive. And that could really help with other things. You know, you nutritionally, you work with a functional doctor. But if you're really struggling, then don't fight to complete an IF day if that doesn't feel right to you. You know, part of this whole thing is intuition. I intermittent fast like regularly, but there are moments. Uh, and again, maybe it's like I'm ovulating or something and maybe my body is saying, hey, and I actually will go for half an avocado or something in the morning when normally I don't eat. Um, but I've just gotten to that point where I follow my intuition and it may not even be that I'm really hungry. 
It's just that I feel something that I might need in my brain and I'll take a little bite of fat and then I really won't eat till much later and it's just a quick snack. So it really depends if you're healing from something. Um, you have to tread lightly and feel that out because if you have severe adrenal fatigue, then I don't know that that combined with hypothyroidism and going IF or keto or even going paleo, it's not going to completely solve the whole picture. I would go slowly. I'd start to clean out, you know, start to try to limit the eating window and go towards intermittent fasting. And if for some reason there's a hiccup there and it's not working right for you in symptoms, then then chill and do something different or add a little bit somewhere else of food like I just mentioned. It doesn't have to be a huge meal. And then wait until you get better and solve the problem. And then when you're in a good metabolic state... You can then work out more. You can then try keto because again, you're coming from a place of things operating normally. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's, you just, if you have no, you can, you have the accelerator, right? Like the diet or whatever, but if you have no fuel to support it. So again, it's like these, all of these questions are related to what are your levels? Did they check the reverse T3? Because also too, the reason the reverse T3 is a key test is that someone could have normal looking thyroid levels and that they're still feeling crappy. But see, they're not seeing to see whether or not is too much of the T4. Here's what happens. If you have a reverse T3 problem, your labs might look normal and a doctor would be like, you're totally fine. You're on the right amount. You still feel hypo. The labs like just look normal. So it makes no sense. But if you test the reverse T3, and you do a ratio between that and the free T3, usually 20 and higher is best. But essentially, when you test the reverse T3, you can tell, is the medication that they're taking, the desiccated, being properly converted and metabolized? So just because someone takes thyroid hormone doesn't mean that it's getting into the cells. And what reverse T3 does is if you have a reverse T3 problem like I do and did, what happens is so much of the T4 you're taking gets converted in the reverse T3, it ends up kind of blocking the cell walls of the T3. And it's like what happens is... The free T3 level in a blood test will look normal, but it's just kind of pooling in your blood. Like it's swimming around, never getting into the office. It's driving around the parking lot, never punching in. And that's why it's important to test reverse T3. So I would gather to say that there's some amiss here in all of these people's treatment or what they're doing biohacking-wise with it. Because, again, it sounds like all there's reliance on, well, my doctor told me I'd really need to see that. We'd need to see the levels. I need to know the symptoms because sometimes that's just a, a, a quick t tweak. Do you know what I mean? Like people have terrible digestive orders and digestive issues and you can go treat those as much as you want. But sometimes it's like they just need to get on thyroid hormone and all of a sudden they're like, oh my God, I have no more gut problems because now the body has T3. So the adrenals need T3. The adrenals need thyroid hormone. They go hand in hand. So if your adrenals are struggling, whether that was caused by hypothyroidism or not, one can affect the other, okay? But if you want to remain as consistent as you can with adrenals and blood glucose, IF and a paleo paradigm, not necessarily paleo, but just a, a paradigm of higher fat, moderate protein, low carb, somewhere in there, and an IF kind of strategy or a four-hour weeding window, even just sometimes if you overeat all of your calories in that meal, just one meal a day can, can really help people shore that up. But again, if someone's taking like exogenous hormones like for menopause or et cetera, there might be some more biohacking and it could be individual. You know, if you're already hypoglycemic, 
this would, IF's a way to kind of solve that. But at the end of the day too, you have to tread light and see what else is going on there as well. So there's no such thing as IF causes thyroid problems or makes them worse or screws up your thyroid medication. But I would say like, you know, you just have to also look at what else are you doing for your adrenals? Like, are you over-exercising? Are you doing chronic cardio? Do you know what I mean? Because the person that's gaining weight, that's on the thyroid hormone, that the doctor says, you know, stop the IF, and they're like, uh, and then they keep working out. It's like, maybe they're the problem. Do you know what I mean? Like, their activity and lifestyle is the problem. So exercise is really key here because people often overdo it. They're going too much over their max heart rate. And when you do that, you're burning glucose. So then you're on this hamster wheel again. And so, you know, again, it's it's just a... Um, there's there's no evidence to prove that and people ask me all the time like does keto cause thyroid problems does the only the only time you need to really watch out is let's say you're on thyroid hormone and you're doing great like this means elimination of all symptoms things are going well um maybe the last thing though is weight loss and you're just like gosh i need to kind of lose some weight though but all the other symptoms are gone in that case, that's an opportunity for someone to really be like, all right, I'll try keto. I'll try something like that because they're in, they're not hypo anymore because they're on thyroid hormone in the right amounts. Do you see what I mean? So like that's the proper place to try these things from, especially something like keto, where I would never attempt it or tell a hypothyroid person who's still struggling to go into that, mostly because it's just not going to work, guys. Do you see what I mean? You're, you're It's like you're throwing wood onto a, a wet fire. It's not... Um, so do you know what I mean? I think people are misunderstanding that that's a component. Does that make sense? Cause I'm happy to clear up any of these areas. I think this is great info. Um, we have a lot of women, like you said, Elle, that are like crazy exercisers. And I don't mean that in a bad way, um, but they, they overdo it. Like you're talking, they, they think, you know, well, I need to do this high intensity exercise. I need to do it an hour every single day. I need to go work out because that's what you know, we've been told we're supposed to do, right? So, um, and then they're not getting results and they've, they've actually overdone it with their bodies and it's backfiring. So I think it's important to hear. It'll make you fat. It'll make you fat, by the way, just so you know. Yeah. And they're like, but I'm gaining weight and I'm working out an hour a day. And we actually tell them in the Facebook group, take it easier. <laughs> you know, maybe you're doing too much. You, you know, it's the worst thing for people to hear. It's the worst thing for people to hear, but I'm telling you right now, I, it was the biggest mistake that I made, especially with adrenals. So here's how you know when you go to the gym and you work out and then you're like, yeah, but I feel better. But then you are feel fatter and more bloated a couple hours later. Yeah, that's an indication. And then, and then all, you know, if you're like, oh, I just went to the gym, but I feel fatter late. Like that's a problem. And also too, if you're gaining weight around the middle, classic adrenals. So your over output of cortisol. So for example, like you could do IF too, but you know, Melanie, when we talked, you know, you, you drink water most of the day. Like a lot of people do IF and drink Coca-Cola and, you know, coffee all day long to, you know, like you've got to look in, you know, there's other factors here. It's not just IF. It can't be. Now that's not to say that like, I do know someone right now that's struggling with hypoglycemic and some autoimmune stuff. And for them, they just feel like better because they feel that hypoglycemic drop really badly when they try IF and they get cranky. So they haven't gotten there yet, or there's something about them metabolically with what they're going through that's disabling them from getting there. That's not IF's fault. Know what I'm saying, ladies? I also, I think this is such great information because we, we do often see a lot of women who are struggling to lose weight. They're doing IF, 
Um, they feel great on the IF, but then they're not losing any weight. So I think a lot of what you said today about the thyroid getting these these right kind of tests, you know, these women all think their thyroid is fine because of, you know, what they've been told at the doctor's office. But really, if they look into what you're saying, they can get the right kind of tests and realize, hey, maybe that is the problem. So I think this can help a lot of our listeners and the people in the Facebook groups who have been struggling. You know, they call themselves, you know, the turtles. They're the slow losers and they're not losing weight no matter what they do. Um, you know, maybe they finally stopped gaining weight, which is a good sign, but they're not losing the weight that they, they were hoping to lose. And then they think, well, what's wrong with me? And this may be the key. W- would you say this is probably... It could be the key or, or go, yeah, it's probably the key or go, or go low carb to start, you know, cause some people are still on another paradigm. If you really can't lose weight, then you might be insulin resistant you should get an HbA1c test. And if it's above 5.2, if it's 5.4, just chill out on the carbs. But if it's 5.7, like it was for me, that's edging towards diabetes and you have an insulin problem, which means you really need to do go low carb. And once, once you get more insulin, by the way, Prediabetes and insulin resistance is inflammation. So if someone got diagnosed with, first of all, hypo patients get diagnosed with crap all the time. Like, oh, you need to go on a stance because your cholesterol messed up. Oh, you've got high blood pressure. You know, you solve the thyroid problem, those things go away, usually, okay? So there's that. But high blood pressure is insulin resistance. I mean, insulin resistance is inflammation. So again, back to the thyroid. If you've got inflammation going on in your body, how well do you think that feedback loop is going to work? How well do you think that thyroid hormone you're taking? So actually, in essence... IF, keto, low carb, any of those paradigms, um, or a mixture of some, you know, are all going to help with everything in life, health, longevity, except for it's just, you might need to tread a little lightly diving into those things. If you are like, have no T3 levels and you're a mess, you have to fix that first. And that means don't go work out the moment you get energy, relax, stop trying to get ahead, two steps ahead of the weight gain. So cardio is a big problem because it's, it's, People just are sweating it out on the treadmill and then you exhaust all your glucose and then that's why you're hungry and tired after working out. If you worked out in a fat burning state, like for like I do, you go I work out on an empty stomach and then I don't eat for two hours. I'm not starving. I don't have a hangry meltdown. I'm totally fine. Because I'm fat adapted, because my insulin and blood glucose is steady, took some hacking to get there, but it's also because I have proper thyroid hormones in my body. My adrenals are healthy. I've recently took a saliva adrenal cortisol test. Everything's great. So if you have healthy adrenals and all of that stuff, so I'm just not sure that the IF or any of these things are the reasons to blame for adrenal issues as much as other factors. Yeah. So I think it basically goes back to what we're always saying on this podcast is that we're all individual. We're all, you, we're all unique, and it's a very complex and nuanced picture. And there are so many factors that affect so many things. But in the end, intermittent fasting in general is anti-inflammatory. It supports health, and it can be an, a wonderful tool, even if you do have thyroid problems. But that said, you need to take everything into account. You need to take your stress levels into account. You need to take how you're feeling. So basically, it's it's complicated, <laughs> but um, intermittent fasting itself is not going to cause hypothyroidism in most cases. I mean, is that pretty much safe to say? Unless unless people are going like crazy. It, it, it won't. But again, it's like, let's say, well, let's say you have like, 
Well, like if you have exhausted adrenals and you're, uh, uh, let's say your thyroid's fine, but your adrenals are a mess and then you try AF and your adrenals are still a mess. And again, let's talk about adrenals. It's not just exercise. It could be lack of sleep, stress. Are you running around at a hundred miles an hour all day long? Like I'm a fast talker, like I can move fast, but I also know what I know now and I less type A myself throughout the day because I know that multitasking sometimes can actually literally induce cortisol from your adrenals. Because again, your adrenals don't know the difference between an actual like saber tooth tiger showing up or the fact that like your divorce attorney just called, right? You're getting the same reaction. Do you know what I mean? And so it's very, and this is also where the mind body stuff comes in. It's very important to constantly send the message to yourself that you're okay. So if someone cuts you off in traffic and you get that, oof, your heart drops in your stomach and then you, you know, get all fired up, Right then and there, cortisol is going to be releasing for the next 10, 15 minutes. And knowing that you know that, you should really work to breathe it out. Let's not scream at the guy for 10 more minutes and call five people about it, right? Those things matter. So there are lots of different things. So, you know, it's like, the, it, it's it's really lifestyle and it's diet. Um, but seriously, if nothing's working with diet um, at all, because people, your body composition is 80% your diet. So... While you may get soft if you don't go to the gym, you shouldn't be gaining weight or in, able to burn fat, and that's a good test. If you don't work out, if you start gaining weight, like that's kind of a problem. <laughs> that's indicative. You know what I mean? I want to throw yeah. in something really random that that reminded me of that I recently started doing because um, I, I love what you said about the stress response and how our body doesn't know the difference between being chased by a tiger and just being stuck in traffic or something like that. Um, I read the other day that a good way of looking at it whenever you get anxiety or the stress response or anything like that is to understand understand that that is your body's, it's, it's your body trying to protect you. Right. So if you have a, a stress response or anxiety or something like that, instead of thinking, instead of getting more stressed about it, what I've started doing is thinking, thank you body for having this stress response to try to protect me. <laughs> and that has been helping me yes. so much. Uh, I just started this practice. I love that. Yeah. Just rec- just recognizing that your ego, you're like, all right, look, my ego just like you're in a self-protective mode. There's an important reason for the ego, right? It's what makes us run or avoid toxic situations. <laughs> you know, we're protecting ourselves. You know, Let's look at like a reverse T3 problem. That's the body protecting itself from something, right? It's like we don't want to give her more T3 and convert it because she's got Lyme's disease right now and has got an infection or has cancer or or whatever, low selenium levels. doesn't matter what the reason is. could be stress. Um, you know, it's just your body's always trying to save you. And that's why it's always important, like you said in that moment, to just remind yourself like, all right, thank you. You're okay. You're Okay. You have to constantly re- reassure your body that you're okay. And here's the thing. It's, you have to, in these, the hardest thing in these scenarios when your body's falling apart and you're a mess, because I mean, look, I didn't leave the house for many years. I mean, a little bit, but like was just, just a disaster crying ball of a bloated mess. And, you know, in those times, it's really, it's really easy to blame your body and hate it. You know, God damn it. My fat, stupid, this, my legs. Yeah. It just, you're so, you're so uncontrolled. You're out of control of your body. And I know that feeling. It's like the worst pain in the world, but 
at the end of the day, your body is always trying to save itself. And you have to like give it that credit and just appreciate that part of it. Whatever's happening in your body, it's because it's trying to save itself. Diabetes is your body trying to save you. If you get fat because you got diabetes, that's your body trying to save you by pushing all that glucose into the fat cells and getting out of your bloodstream. It's, you better hope you get fat. You don't want to be a skinny diabetic. That's, that's worse, right? So knowing that your body is always trying to save you, work with it, like you said, and appreciate it and remind it. I love that so much. Yeah. And the the thing that I see, you know, in, in the, the groups with women, when they're not having success, they say, well, I just need to try harder in some way. And they, they take on so much of the blame and they think that it's their fault. And so the message that we can get out to them that, no, you don't need to try harder and work out more and eat less and fast more frequently or do a a 30-day water fast or some such nonsense. It, it's not that. It's it's coming to the root of the problem. And you've got to figure out why your body is not releasing the weight. It's not that you just need to do more. If we could just get that across, that would be wonderful. Absolutely. In fact, less is more in this situation when you are healing from adrenals. Or um, And so, so it goes back to the person being like, I know, I've heard this, I know, but I feel better after I work out. I go, right, you feel better because you just tapped your adrenals again, which are already tapped. Because you got a little surge of cortisol, you got a little high. You know that runner's high people talk about? Yeah, that's not a good thing, by the way. <laughs> that's not, you know, it's fine when you're doing a sprint session, right? Because that's a good increase of the stressful hormones. But if you're on the treadmill every day, you're going hard, um, you're on a carbohydrate paradigm, It's a, that, that actually is more likely to F up adrenals than anything else is that eating paradigm. I'm not kidding. That's the one. Hypoglycemia and eating every two, three hours in the zone, all that stuff, that is more likely to contribute to adrenal problems than a lot of things, particularly IF. So, and I, you know, I'm, I'm with one of the callers too, like that, or the, the emailers that said, like, well, I really do do well in a four to six hour eating window. It just works well for me. That's just, I've gotten to that conclusion. That's, that's just me. But again, like I said, there are some days where I still honor just because I do IF mostly and I stick to that window. I don't, I, there are my times where I go out of it. I'm not going to stress about it, right? I don't, hey, you don't have to be, oh, I didn't do IF to, you know what I mean? It's like, well, you know, there's moments. Um, you know, you have a craving. I might have a little bit more carbs and glucose than I normally would right before my period or something where I might be craving, you know, I'll have some fruit and whipped cream and do it up or whatever. But but, you know, so you've got to you got to get intuitive about it. And I think that's the goal, right? It's not try harder. It's get more intuitive and 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 tinker, not go to the gym and pound it out because you're like that's see the body is going. You just stress us out again. See what I mean? The body's taking it as a stress. And if you are in an adrenal fatigue or hypothyroid state of any kind, even if you're like a little bit hypo because you're not on enough medication, that is going to be seen as a stress. And you're just are on the hamster wheel, two steps forward, eight steps back. And I've been there. Yeah, I think that's just a wonderful way to end everything and a wonderful perspective to provide listeners is to be kind to yourself, to take in the whole picture, to realize that everything that your body is doing, that it's trying to help you and that you can implement intermittent fasting and really support your health and you can address thyroid problems. But in the end, you just need to have this overall picture of it's going to be okay and you don't have to be absolutely crazy. Sometimes it's good to just slow down, take a break, be kind to yourself. And yeah, you got this. 
And it's all solvable, guys. So just so you know, don't let yeah. any doctor tell you just because you have hypothyroidism, you always have X. BS, they don't know what they're talking about. This stuff is solvable. It is. So or don't give up. they will say, I'm sorry to interrupt, no. but, but they will say, oh, you're just a middle-aged woman. What do you expect? That's right. That's you know, all. We, we don't have yeah. to take this. Nope. You know, I'm, I'm 48. We don't have to take this. This is just, you're getting old. Just suck it up. You know, we yeah. don't have to take that advice. Yeah, no, that that's that's a. Uh, then I would look at that doctor and go, "How are you doing, age wise? How are you looking, buddy, or, <laughs> yeah. or chick?" Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I, I, I mean, you know, it's like a that's a that's a tough thing to hear from someone who might not be in the best sorts themselves, you know. But also, too, that might be someone that gave up on themselves because of age. That's not a story that I agree with at all. Um, my grandmother was dancing at the clubs when she was 88 years old with 35 year olds in a high heels and a suit. Um, you know, love it. like, like there's, I'm 44. I look 10 years younger. There's no, you know, look, Google Mark and Carrie Sisson. They're in their sixties. Look at, look at their bodies and how they're doing. And they're not killing it at the gym. I mean, they, they exercise regularly, but they are not freaking out about this. No one is. It's only when you're really on a carbohydrate hamster wheel that you have to work out all the time, freak out. And then again, that leads to adrenal problems. So if the biggest message I could leave, and this is where IF kind of comes in too, but is get off that hamster wheel of carbohydrate dependency and the blood sugar ups and downs. That's right. That's what everybody can do to improve their health. Not just people with, you know, health issues. And that's what, that's what the intermittent fasting does for us. It turns us into fat burners instead of sugar burners all day long. So that's the difference. And it feels great. I don't have to take oh, yeah. naps. I'm, I'm, my brain is on point all day long. Um, I've had very minimal food today. It's 3 o'clock here. I'm starting to feel like, all right, you know, I'm about to get motivated to go figure that out. But again, it's not a, oh, my God, I have to eat something. I want to kill somebody. That's a hangry yeah. hypoglycemic meltdown. When you're a fat burner, you don't have those. Yeah. It's 6 p.m. here, and I have not opened my window yet just because I like to be mentally sharp <laughs> to talk on the podcast. So I always wait until afterwards. Excellent. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, like I talked with Melanie, I'm uh, thinking about moving and maybe shift the shift the window. I don't oh, yeah. know. You know, again, this is not all right. It's all it's pliable. You just go with yep. your schedule and what you're doing and, and see what's going on there. Yeah, we were talking. I want to make my window earlier, and Elle wants to make her window later Later. (laughs) we need to like (laughs) well it's you got to tinker because what what i have found with with all these thousands and thousands of people is that there's no one size fits all best way and also what works for you today you may need to tweak it up you know next month next year exactly all right well we are running out of time l it has been so wonderful having you here on the podcast so we'd like to tell listeners how they can follow you how they can get, get your book all of the things? Sure. Well, you can always go to my website, lruss.com, E-L-L-E-R-U-S-S.com. I'm also, every Monday morning, we release a podcast through the Primal Blueprint podcast. We talk about paleo, primal, keto health, and we also, I interview life coaches and a lot of the mind-body stuff. And yeah, and then, you know, hopefully you'll have my tags up. And on Instagram, I'm underscore lruss. You can just type in my name anywhere and, and find me. I'm most active on Instagram. And I'll be at Paleo FX uh, this year speaking in April. And yeah, so just get a free thyroid guide from my website. Anyone can contact me if they need help. And, uh, you know, this is solvable. So just keep persevering. You know, if I didn't settle for less than no perfect health, BS, I am not going to give up. I wouldn't be where I am right now. You know, I'm not surprised I ended up here because I was willing to do whatever it took. And so if you're out there and you're struggling from anything, 
you got to be too, and you can't rely on a doctor to do that for you. They can work with you, but oftentimes you're going to know more and they can't be with you every day. You just, you need to learn about it. You need to learn about your disease and your issue. And oftentimes you're the one that solves it. So that's wonderful. Thank you so much for that. So listeners, definitely, definitely check out all of those links Elle mentioned. You can also go to ifpodcast.com slash episode 52. And I'll put links to all of that stuff as well. Also to Elle's book, The Paleo Thyroid Solution, which I cannot recommend enough. And um, yeah, so that that is all of the things. I hope everybody feel uh, enjoyed this podcast and feels motivated to take their health into their own hands and address any thyroid or adrenal issues if they have them. And just know that it, it can always get better and be kind to yourself. <laughs> so thank you so much for being here, Elle. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Bye, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember, the opinions we discussed on this show do not constitute medical advice. We're not doctors. Check out ifpodcast.com for more information on us. Theme music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.